Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Today, in celebration of all of the discount chocolate that you have available, we're going to be talking about chocolate. The best. And we're going to discuss a few chocolate murders and some, you know, some other stuff in the beginning. But what's interesting is that there are many chocolate murders that have existed throughout time. I don't think I've ever heard that strung together. Chocolate murders. Chocolate murders. Yeah. Chocolate coated murders. Um, No, it's just interesting. And some of them are surprisingly recent as like recent as last year. Yeah. I truly didn't think about this as a thing. So like everything, people have a phobia of chocolate and it's called coccolitophobia. Wow. You sounded so scientific. Thanks. I felt like a like a chocolate scientist. I'm a chocolate scientist and mathematician after today. Yeah. Yeah, you are. We'll get into that in a second. But can you imagine like having a fear of chocolate, like and how like a phobia of it and like how that would ruin my life? Like really fuck with your entire life. Every restaurant has chocolate. Every grocery store has chocolate. Every gas station, every drugstore, like everywhere. If you think of like a theme park like Hershey Park, like that would be nightmare. That's like the Saw Park or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If you consume enough of nearly anything in the world, it could be toxic. Mm -hmm. Everything there's an excess of. That includes chocolate. It would take a lot of fucking chocolate to reach a toxic level. And in fact, an ER doctor from NYU's Langone Medical Center, Dr. Reed Caldwell, said that it's more likely that you would show up to an ER complaining of secondary symptoms of eating so much chocolate before you would be there for chocolate poisoning. You would probably have like a distended stomach if you were eating this much or pains from your stomach being like bursting or from the sugar and feeling like that. There's a lot of things that would happen, I think, before the chocolate poisoning. Yeah. The substance in chocolate that would cause toxicity is called theobromine. And the toxic dose for humans is 1,000 milligrams of theobromine per kilogram of body weight. We're going to have a funny little video on our social media that like breaks down some chocolate math. But we do have <laughs> some basic information about it to talk about because otherwise, like we're talking about like numbers and converting and it gets it's not for podcasting. We're going to lose you. I know that. You know that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a chocolate mathematician. Trust me. And so but milk chocolate has 2.4 milligrams of theobromine per gram of chocolate. Dark chocolate has 5.5. And as a just a test example of figuring out just some chocolate math mm -hmm. of like how much chocolate would it take? A Reese's cup where the little packages where there's two. I like did a whole bunch of chocolate math on that. The conclusion is. You could have 1,607 Reese's cups before you had chocolate poisoning. This is assuming that like the entire weight of it was full chocolate, which it's not. So you probably have a little bit of wiggle room if you were still craving some more after your cool 1,607. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that feels like a lot of fucking Reese's cups. It does. Generally to be able to consume. Yeah. Uh, and just in case you were wondering, for a 12-year-old boy, there would be 794. Oh, so, I mean, that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. 
But yeah, we have a little like breakdown of how we got to that number on our social media, converting pounds to kilograms and doing all the fun math. But we're not going to do that right now because, again, math is not for this podcast. We've never talked about it before on here and we're not going to do it now. (laughs) (laughs) But we will on Instagram. Yeah, because Instagram's where math is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Math for Instagram. (laughs) But real quick, a reminder, all chocolate is not safe for dogs. Mm-hmm. There are different levels, just like with humans, with like milk chocolate versus dark chocolate and all of that. But still, don't let your dogs get it. That's a big uh, emergency vet visit after Valentine's Day and after Christmas, usually. Like, that's one of the most common ones. Oh, no. Are you? I mean, I know that you are a Reese's Cup gal, but you're chocolate for sweets, right? Like, isn't chocolate like what you crave, what you want? Yeah, but I prefer the themed Reese's without the edges. It's the <laughs> texture. I like the edges. It's part of it. I don't like the smooth babies. No. Why did I say it like that? Why did I say it like that? <laughs> I don't know. You're weird. That, that was so weird. I was just thinking of like how the Christmas tree ones like don't have edges. It's like rounded corners. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. And the bats are like, they don't really look like bats. The bats are disrespectful. The pumpkins. You're right. It's a a pumpkin. I still have a whole bag of pumpkins hidden away from the boys. So when I want a a good Reese's in the off season, I can have one. In the off season, by the way. (laughs) Amanda, it's spooky season all year round. There is no off season. I know, but they don't create pumpkin Reese's, the perfect Reese's year round. And they only last for so many months after. We'll do more Chocolate Talk at the end because I have questions for you. Okay. Also, this week, tonight. Tonight is the night. Is our Patreon night. Yes. So heads up. If you want to join us, there's still time. If you join our Patreon, it's tonight. Yeah. And we're going to do, as of right now, the polls are saying spooky show and tell. I'm so excited. And what is spooky show and tell? It's literally what what we just said. It's we find we you find weird shit from the Internet and get to show it to a community of honestly your peers. Yes. Do you know these people? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But are you connected in true creeps? Yes. We're all creeping together. Show us the weird things you found on the Internet or have in your home. Today, actually, talked with someone asking if I could borrow a certain item. I'm not going to tell you because I want to surprise you. That is very spooky and weird. And I'm going to bring it into my home to show the Patreon and then promptly discard it. Not here. Oh, I have a person I could ask for a spooky thing. I did because Ben doesn't listen. He doesn't know what's happening. And I was like, oh, like, of course. Yeah. He's in our Patreon, though. He can see this. Yeah. I was like, if you want to, you know, if you want to come, you can. I was like, RCP, if you want to do it, because I'm going to be like in our shared office and it's going to be like, you're excluded, right? I'm so glad he doesn't listen, listen, because otherwise I fucking know I would end up with a Mortimer fucking snurd fucking ventriloquist dummy doll (laughs) with him being like, look what I have. Oh, I'll message him. I've always wanted you to have one. Please don't. I really don't want that in my house. I don't. I don't want it. I honestly think that like he's got some like great. I like turning my head, but he's got like great a quality, like some spooky art on his side of the office that I think he could probably you like look at this. Perfect. Can't wait. But it's going to be a fun time tonight. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm very excited. But let's get into our show show. Should we talk about our show? And then we'll we'll do more chocolate talk talk after talk talk. Okay chocolate talk talk that's now what the end of our episode are like before the credits it's chocolate talk talk (laughs) even even after this episode it's chocolate talk talk time okay chocolate talk talk time we're 26 minutes into our recording okay let's let's do this okay so let's talk about chocolate murders right 
So one of the first known murders by chocolate was in the 1600s in Chiapas, Mexico. The bishop had said that people could not eat or drink chocolate during his services, which sounds awful. In a lot of the research that we saw, women were like chugging hot chocolate during these services. And I just like, I love the idea that everyone's like, I fucking need my hot chocolate and God, like at the same time. They get it. Yeah. Solid. No notes. I need chocolate. No notes. Okay. So he was pissed, right? And he said that he would excommunicate anyone who drank chocolate during his masses. Dramatic. Which like, that's a little strong. Okay, dude. Chill. The only way I could see that is if they were eating it with their mouth open. I can see like wrappers and stuff, but like drinking hot chocolates, typically pretty, you know, silent. I also feel like in the 1600s, whatever they were using to wrap the chocolate probably wasn't that loud. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like they're like opening a plastic package of raisinets in the middle of a movie. And you're like, could you have done this earlier? So even though he threatened everyone, women kept drinking it. And so the bishop ordered his priests to take the chocolate from the women But their husbands are like, no, 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 this is what makes them happy and like drew their swords. And we're like, don't touch their chocolate. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) This sounds so ridiculous. Violence for my wife's chocolate, (laughs) right? A lot of the people ended up going to different convents for mass because they didn't like this no chocolate rule, right? However, at the end of his mass, the bishop got very sick. Uh Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. And then he ultimately died. And doctors would later agree that his hot chocolate had been poisoned, which like he's telling other people not to drink hot chocolate, but he's drinking hot chocolate. The hypocrisy of it. Mm-hmm. Which that, that is sad, but interesting. I, I had never thought about poisoned hot chocolate before. When we were looking at it, some sources said hot chocolate, some sources said drinking chocolate. And but like most of them said hot. So that's why we said hot. Have you ever had traditional drinking chocolate that's not how Americans have it, where it's like very thick? Yes, actually. And I was not a fan. I wasn't either because I felt like I was drinking warmed chocolate syrup. Well, it wasn't even chocolate syrup. Like it it was. uh, It's the consistency to me. It wasn't the consistency. It was just not sweet what I had. It was really bitter. It was like dark chocolate. Are you a milk chocolate girly? I don't mind dark chocolate, but not like the crazy intense bitter one. See, that's the one I like. Our next case is one of the first murders by mail and is known as the Chocolate Candy Murders. And this one's actually like very sad. It is. So let's talk about the background first. Mary Pennington, who was the daughter of a former congressman, married John Preston Dunning on February 12th of 1891. In 1892, they welcomed their daughter. And then in 1895, John Dunning began to flirt with 41-year-old Cordelia Botkin, and they were at the Golden Gate Park, and he was there fixing his bike that had broken down. Some accounts say that he was just out for a walk when he met her, but one way or another, he was there, right? Mm-hmm. So Cordelia was by no means the first woman that he had flirted with, and more, during his marriage to Mary. As he was fixing his bicycle, Cordelia and John scheduled their first date. Not right. Not good. Yeah. Interesting note. Cordelia originally told John that her name was Curtis and that her husband lived in England. What a beautiful <laughs> name. I see. I laughed so hard when we read that because I was like, do you mean like her last name or do you mean like your first name? Because I love the idea of like 
being out in the world and consensual non-monogamy, like rude, disrespectful. But that aside, you're flirting with someone. If I was like, oh, yeah, my name is Robert. Like, <laughs> just like very, very random. <laughs> They're like, oh, Robert. <laughs> She's so beautiful. <laughs> Stunning. Picturesque. But spoiler alert, uh, her husband didn't live in England and her name wasn't Curtis. <laughs> Although I wish it was. It does kind of feel like, oh, my name is Curtis. Like, you're different. Like, I'm not like other girls. I'm, it has that kind of ring to it, to me. Yeah. So after this, Mary left John, and her and her daughter moved back to Delaware to live with Mary's father. Cordelia did not seem bothered by the fact that he was seeing multiple women. Good for you, Cordelia, I guess. Bizarrely, John's pet name for Cordelia was Ada. And this is what's really fucking weird. Ada was the name of one of his former lovers that he said that she looked like. So he just began calling her Ada. He's like, you know what? I like that Ada before. You kind of look like her. You're now Ada. My brain breaks at the thought of that. Because what? There's being confident and being like, oh, you're with me now. But that's like a level of confidence that I don't like. Maybe it's too confident if you're like, it's fine. Call me by another woman's name that I remind you of. Like, what? So weird. So fucking weird. And or it's like, you look like an Ada I once knew, not like my former lover. Clearly, he was not a man who was ever planning on being monogamous. So he's like, honestly, I just call all of all the women Ada because I can't keep track. That's what it feels like to me. Like all of maybe the other women he was dating also Ada's, right? It reminds me of this is completely different. I don't know why it came to mind. But you know, some people there are they're out there where they get a dog and the dog's name is like Buddy. And then when that dog dies and they get another dog, that's Buddy too. Have you seen that before? People do that. I've heard that with non-dog or cat animals, but just the confidence to be comfortable with your lover or whatever they are calling you by another woman's name. Even if you aren't exclusive, just like that feels inherently disrespectful. It does. I'm not going to call you by your name. I'm going to call you by someone else's. And it's not even close. Like your name's Cordelia. Or Curtis. Curtis. Curtis for short. Tizzy. (laughs) (laughs) So... After Mary moved back to Delaware, John moved in with Cordelia. And some sources vary a little bit on this and say that it's not that they moved in together. It's more that Cordelia moved into like a certain apartment building and then he also got an apartment there. But either way, he's either living with her or living next to her near her. Either way, that feels bizarre. Like, what's the point? Well, no, because he wanted it open so he could flirt with the other girls at the park. Oh, that's true. He's a busy man. He breaks his bike every week. Oh my God, that poor bike. It's also worth noting here that John had worked as a foreign war correspondent, and he was also an avid gambler. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned that Cordelia was like, chill, no worries, see whoever you want to see, call me Ada, whatever. Cordelia's husband was also similarly chill. He didn't seem to mind that John and his wife were living together. Okay. And like, that's fine if everyone is fine with it. If everyone's fine with it, okay. Yeah. But like Mary was not fine with it. Right. Right. Like she was absolutely she was like, absolutely not a fucking toodaloo. Like I'm I'm leaving. I'm going back to Delaware. Yeah. But anyway, Cordelia's husband's name was Welcome A. Botkin. Love that. And he lived in Stockton, California, which was like just under an hour and a half drive from San Francisco. So he didn't live in England. He just lived like an hour and a half away. Close enough to England. 
After John and Cordelia had moved in together, John began drinking more heavily and he sank into significant gambling debt. He ultimately would end up embezzling over $4,000 from his employer, which was the Associated Press, and was fired when they found out. That's crazy. And today's money, that would be almost $148,000, which is a just a, a, a cute little gambling debt, like a tiny little amount. Right. So they fire him because they're like, you cannot take money to p- cover your gambling debts. Please don't do that. But then in 1898, they rehire him back because he's like, they're like, but you are a really good writer. So we're going we, to hire you back so that you can go cover the Spanish-American War. When he was in San Francisco, what he was doing was he was like running an office. So he had like different responsibilities. So he, they're like, go back and do what you're actually good at. Right. Maybe don't be in charge of the money. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So he is going to leave to go cover this war. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But during the time that John and Mary were apart, they wrote each other letters nearly daily. And they were love letters. Mary went home because she was like, I can't live here and watch you do this with other women. I just can't do it. But she still loved him, which I think is kind of sweet, but also kind of like heartbreaking. Yeah. He wrote back to her almost daily. And when people talk about like the letters that he wrote to her, he told her everything about his life, shared every tiny little detail, except he didn't really talk about Cordelia, which I mean, like, good, because like, I wouldn't want to hear about it if I was Mary. I wouldn't be like, right. Tell me about your relationship with the woman that made me leave. With Ada, too. Yeah. So John is going to leave to cover the Spanish-American War. And Cordelia and he are headed to the train station because they're going to say goodbye. Because she's like, you know, she's seeing him off. Before he leaves, he's like, oh, just quick note. I am not coming back to California. I'm going to go to Delaware and live with Mary and my daughter and like reconnect with her. And Cordelia, although fine with sharing him with other women in California, is distraught by this. So she's like begging him to come back. And he's pretty blunt. He's like, no, I'm done. Like, I'm I'm going. Great timing, too. Great timing. I also just kind of feel like just don't come back, my guy. Right. Well, unbeknownst to John, while he and Mary were exchanging letters, Cordelia was also writing to Mary. And in the anonymous letters, Cordelia told Mary that her husband, quote, is constantly with this interesting and pretty woman who, by the way, is an English woman. She's now divorcing from her husband, all owing to the marked intimacy with Mr. Dunning. Thank you, Lindsay. (laughs) You are fucking welcome. So, like, this anonymous letter is not supposed to be written from Cordelia, just some (laughs) random girl that's watching this interesting Cordelia English woman. Oh, she's so fascinating. She's so cool. Everybody wants to be like her. Cordelia is not like other girls. She's fancier. She's curdy. Uh, she's <laughs> she's curdy. She's curdy. She's dizzy. She's got that English charisma. Ooh, she's something that you're not. <laughs> like how fucking random. <laughs> this is like it's also just childish. It's childish. It's got like pick me energy. It's got I'm not like other girls energy. It's also just by the like okay, one. The first thing is is that she's fine with him doing whatever the fuck it is that he's doing and calling her Ada. But love letters to the wife is where she draws the line. That's where she draws the line is that he sends letters to someone who's a fucking country away. And she's like fucking writing mean fucking nasty notes to fucking Mary. I do not understand this. It it makes no sense. In today's world, she would make a Facebook 
with yes. a woman's face that she knew and then would message her and be like, did you know that John is with this beautiful girl? She's an influencer. She <laughs> She's so cool. She comes from old money. She's rich and pretty. And she's going to leave her husband for your husband. And this doesn't sound bad and suspicious at fucking all. No. Can I draw back a little when you said she's not like other girls? <laughs> right. All I had in my head was this new shirt or sticker. She's not like other girls. She's curdy with like <laughs> pretty writing. I don't know why I have simply no reason for me to think that this is where you are going with this. <laughs> and like, I'm worried. Again, I do not know why my brain did this. <laughs> You're like, she's curdy and <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I don't, again, don't know why, but she's not like other girls. <laughs> she's not like other girls. She's a squirrel. <laughs> why? Why would I think that? I'm crying. I mean, I like that more. She's squirrel curdy. and then with the little name tag that says Curdy. She's not like other girls. <laughs> well, comma, she's a squirrel named Curdy. <laughs> I don't get it. Yep. I don't understand. Perhaps that's the sticker of this year. We don't know yet. Uh, every every episode, something different. But it's just like the silliest like intimidation tactic. Like also, what? Like what is she trying to do? Mary's already in Delaware. Right. Very strange. So on August 9th of 1898, Mary was sitting with her sister, Ida Dean, and their children on the front porch of their family home in Delaware. And that's when the mail arrived. This mail included a gift for Mary. There was a brown paper-wrapped package, and inside the package was a white box with a pink satin ribbon tied to it. Sounds lovely. Okay, yeah. Now, on the top of this box, the word bonbons was written in cursive with a gold pen. Sounds official. Okay, okay. The bonbons were accompanied by a note that said, quote, With love to yourself and baby, Mrs. C., one of the things that John teased Mary about was that she was, quote, passionately fond of candy. Same. Aren't we all? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in conversations with Cordelia, John had mentioned that Mary, you know, was super fond of candy and that she also had a friend named Mrs. Corbelly. So Mary opened the box of chocolates and she noticed that there were rows of chocolate bonbons with sugar sprinkles on top. There was also a handkerchief in the box, which seems kind of weird. Like a couple gifts. Okay. But strange. Like more personal, right? Like it's not just like a box of chocolates that was like manufactured. It's like a gift that somebody sent. It's one thing if you if I send you a package that is like, I ordered it from somewhere and they shipped it to you versus I packed this for you. It like feels a little bit more trustworthy. Right. Still strange, theoretically, if she, she doesn't know where it came from or from who, technically. Well, Mrs. C, right? She's like, I know people with that name. Right. Okay. So after the family ate dinner, they retired to the veranda and they all shared several bonbons. Mary ate three. Ida ate two. Two of Ida's children had at least one. And two family friends, Mrs. Millington and Miss Bateman, had also eaten at least one. Now, everyone who ate the bonbons began to get violently ill. They had terrible stomach pains and they were vomiting. Now, this is really sad. All but Ida and Mary recovered. Ida died on August 11th, and then Mary died the next day on the 12th. Horrific. Yeah. 
Ida and Mary's father, John Pennington, looked at the note that had accompanied the chocolates, and he realized that it had the same handwriting as the letters that Mary had received from the anonymous sender. So it was like, this is the same person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, a chemist named Dr. Wood inspected the remaining candy, and he found that the chocolates had been stuffed with arsenic. If I remember right, arsenic, the, the taste of it would kind of go with candy. Like, you wouldn't really notice. Well, it's bitter. So, like, if it was a dark chocolate, it would make sense. And it also has, like, that almond smell. Yes. If there was almonds in it or almond flavor. Yeah. So, John was in Puerto Rico at the time when he found out about Mary's death. And so, of course, he came back to Delaware immediately. Reporters were waiting for John as he got off the boat. And they asked him who had killed Mary. John admitted that there were three women in San Francisco that he had affairs with, but he thought Cordelia was the one who would have killed Mary. Law enforcement from Delaware reached out to law enforcement in San Francisco to ask them to arrest Cordelia before she could escape. When law enforcement got to her residence in Stockton, Cordelia did not seem upset. She was in the process of her second or third outfit change of the day. Sounds very curdy. Classic curdy. Right. Cordelia dramatically sank into the couch and then said the chagrin is past the horror is over i've suffered all the humiliation i'm ready dramatic she said this when the police presented the arrest warrant i'm sure it was the first time anyone had ever said that in response to an arrest warrant for those police officers <laughs> probably like this whole arrest is very strange Yes, yes. And this next part, too. So she was allowed to pack a trunk of clothes for her jail stay. And it took two deputies to carry it out. So like, think of one of those like steamer trunks, right? Big. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about the investigation, which I have never heard an investigation where so many people remembered so much. In other episodes, we've talked about people being like, ooh, I can't say whether or not it's that person. I just really, I'm not sure. That is not the case here. Every single fucking person that Cordelia interacted with in this crime was like, I remember her and here's why I remember her. First off, remember John Pennington, Mary's father, he was like, this handwriting looks similar. Yeah. John also looked at the letters that were written by Cordelia, the anonymous ones, and the letter that came with the chocolates, and he confirmed it was Cordelia's. Originally, law enforcement was concerned whether they were going to be able to tie it to Cordelia, though, because they had just changed some of like the package sorting facilities. So it wasn't clear where the package's origin was. And at first they were like, oh, we don't know exactly where these chocolates came from because it didn't have the store's name on it. It was just like a white box lettering ribbon these are things that like could be yeah at most chocolate places because even now like if you go to a chocolate place like there are boxes that are made to hold chocolates they order them from a supplier who sells them to other businesses but so they were able to fucking just like really prove it was her by like so many people being like i remember so first off there's sylvia henny and kitty ditmer who identified Cordelia as the woman who had come into the shop to buy chocolates. And one of the reasons they remembered her was because she had very particular instructions. So first, she said she didn't want the name of the, the candy shop, which was owned by George Haas, to be anywhere on the box. So because I think they normally had like a seal they put on it. She didn't want that. And then normally, you know, you get a box of chocolates, you fill it because you're giving it to someone in like 
Otherwise, it kind of looks like you ate a few. <laughs> you know, like, here's a half a box of chocolates. <laughs> so they're like, she's like, don't fill it all the way. And she's like, they're like, okay, that's weird. So they remember her. Then there's a store called City of Paris. And that's where Cordelia bought the handkerchief. And there, Grace Harris vividly remembered Cordelia. Law enforcement was like, why is it that you remember her so well? Like, she just bought a handkerchief. She didn't have any, like strange requests she didn't do anything bizarre while she was there and grace says oh no the reason why i remember her is because she really looks like my mother who's passed like to an alarming degree like she really looked like her oh wow and they were like oh and so she produces a photo and they're like okay no she really does look like her i can understand why that would stick out in your head Ooh, doppelgangers all over again all over again so then The druggist employed at Al Drugstore, whose name was Frank Gray, identified Cordelia as the woman who purchased two ounces of arsenic. So it's like every single fucking thing she does, they're remembering. One of the reasons he remembered the interaction was because it was strange, because she offered up why she wanted the arsenic with like little to no prompting, right? She was like, I need two ounces of arsenic so I can bleach my straw hat. And Frank's like, you know, arsenic is dangerous. Yeah. There's a lot of other ways in which you could bleach your straw hat that are less dangerous. Yeah. And she's like, no, 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 no. I want arsenic. She's like, no, 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 no. Arsenic's what I saw. Only arsenic will do to bleach my hat. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I guess, right? Because that's, I mean, if they sell it, they sell it. Eventually, they are able to figure out where it was mailed from because they went to where she would have been locally to drop the package off. They asked one of the clerks that had worked there. They were like, do you remember this package? And he's like, "Uh, I don't really remember packages that much. And they're like, well, this is who it would have been made out to. Because who it was made out to was Mrs. John Dunning. And the guy's name who worked there was like John Dunningham. So close to it. And he was like, he remembers looking at the package and going, huh, that's funny. That's close to my name. So he would have otherwise completely not known that package, but for the fact that it was kind of like his name. So everybody from buying the chocolates to the arsenic, to the handkerchief, to the person at the mail place, all were like, you know, I do remember that because it was like, it just stuck out. That's interesting. That doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't happen often, especially where you can like get every single person. So then Cordelia has strong Chad DeBall energy because Cordelia has a friend, Amora Roth. In late July of 1898, which is just a little bit before Mary receives the chocolates, Amora recounts having a conversation where she's, you know, her and Cordelia are chatting. And in the conversation, Cordelia is like, what do you think might happen to a person if they ingest this type of poison or that type of poison? And then a casual pivot in the conversation. She's like, if I send registered mail, does the person have to sign for it? Cordelia. (laughs) Chad DeBall. Like, fucking geez, come on. I mean, I'm not saying be a good criminal, but this is not good. Pretty careless. Yeah. Yeah. So Delaware wanted to try Cordelia there because that's where the murders occurred. But her attorney successfully argued that the trial should be in California because that's where Cordelia had taken action, not in Delaware. And they were like, she's never stepped foot in the state. And so ultimately, the trial was in California. Not that they normally do, but the media did not help Cordelia's case in terms of her public image. Because there was a lot of reporting around her and it was like primarily around her excessive vanity. In photos, she would be like very clearly like posing and kind of in a very Laurie 
Vallow kind of way where she's like smirking at the cameras and it's like, yeah, this is not the time to be posing for cameras. That's all I think of is Lori. Yeah. And I and it's, I bring her up because I feel like it's the most like recent time where you're like, you get that this is not good publicity. But so in that very same way, Cordelia is like eating up the attention. There's also rumors that she's allowed to take day trips from the jail because she was giving the guards, quote, unspecified favors. That doesn't seem good. No, not great. During her trial, she testifies and the San Francisco Chronicle reported that, quote, she smiled as she talked and occasionally showed the handsome teeth of which she's extremely proud. I do not like the phrase handsome teeth. Let's start there. (laughs) And then secondly, I'm not saying a person should be smiling at a murder trial, but it does seem like the person who wrote this article is jealous of Cordelia's smile. Right? She smiled because she was so proud of her smile. She was just so happy she can smile. She's got such nice teeth. Look at Cordelia and her nice teeth. Look at Curdy and her nice teeth. <laughs> this whole trial is that, that vibe altogether. Yeah, that vibe. So during the trial, the prosecution presented evidence that tied Cordelia to the murders. And a lot of it was that testimony that we talked about in the beginning. But there was also something else that they produced. And What's really interesting is that when you read articles about this, they're like, there was a bombshell. And we've talked about this before, but like typically evidence is given to both sides as part of a fair trial. However, we are talking about 1898. So I'm not sure whether that had been established yet or not. I don't know. So I'm not going to say for sure one way or another. So maybe it was a bombshell. Hopefully it wasn't. And both sides did know that this was going to happen. But while searching her apartment at the Hotel Victoria, which is where they arrested her from, law enforcement found paper, string, and the candy box seal from that candy box that she had bought. And the prosecution argued that those were the supplies needed to open and reseal the box after she doctored the chocolates with arsenic. So the jury took just four hours to deliberate before they rendered her guilty verdict. And then she was sentenced. But before she was sent to prison, there was another case that had similar jury instructions to hers that was overturned. So Cordelia's attorney petitioned for a new case, which was, which she did get. So then they did the entire trial again. So that means witnesses that were that had come from Delaware, like that had like talked about the chocolates and stuff like that. Had to do it again. They all had to come back and everybody had to do the whole thing over. But again, she was found guilty. Okay. And she was sentenced to life in prison, which she began serving at the Branch County Jail. And one of the reasons she had stayed there as opposed to going to like a state correctional facility was because they immediately appealed, which, you know, that's pretty standard. Yeah. So while they were waiting for that appeal, that's where she was staying. Okay, fair. So this is interesting. After her sentencing, Superior Judge Cook saw Cordelia leaving the jail on a car. And with this language, we assume that it's a streetcar. The judge had actually been on his way back from visiting his wife's grave when he saw Cordelia. He was very surprised, but he couldn't investigate further in that moment because his streetcar was going the opposite direction. So hard to see what was going on. He began an investigation, though, and found that she had been intimately involved with at least one of the guards, which accounted for her being, quote, surrounded with every comfort at the jail. Huh. So she received special attention, right? Special privileges, everything. Yeah. Also, they believe that at least one of the guards that she was intimate with was on the streetcar with her. 
He couldn't find anyone at the prison who would admit that Cordelia was being given special privileges. And Cordelia took this opportunity to suggest that maybe there was another woman who bore a striking resemblance to her that had actually bought the chocolates, the arsenic, and the handkerchief. It was my evil twin. Wouldn't that have been convenient? Also, just like the fucking audacity. It was curdy. The audacity to be like, well, maybe there's someone else out there that looks like me. It couldn't possibly be me who did that and all this other stuff. What a like, what a thought, right? Like, it's just like, while we're at it. Yeah. Yeah. So Cordelia was moved to the San Quentin Women's Ward after her verdict was affirmed in 1906. About 10 years later, Cordelia learned that John had died in Philadelphia. And after hearing this, she refused to eat. So she died on March 7th of 1910. And the official cause of death on her death certificate was listed as, quote, softening of the brain due to melancholia. Dramatic as ever, as Cordelia was, you know? Of course, yeah. What else would you expect? How fucked up that she's like, I'm going to kill this woman because her husband still loves her. Right? And all I thought of for her death, too, was everlasting faint. Oh, yeah. Because anytime we talk about, like, old-timey deaths, it makes me think of that. Yeah. So in the beginning of the episode, we talked about that there were some surprisingly current chocolate poisonings. And that's because in Brazil, there were two in 2023 that we saw. Isn't that crazy? So the first was the murder of Fernanda Silva Veloz da Cruz Pinto. And on August 3rd of last year, 2023, Fernanda, who was just 27 years old, began experiencing nosebleeds, excessive salivation, blurred vision, vomiting, and severe stomach pains. And so she starts texting her family and she's telling them about how ill she's feeling. She mentions that she can barely stand and she says that she almost met God. And in some articles, you actually can see screenshots of the texts because one of her cousins was interviewed. Yeah. So she's clearly very scared. She goes to a local hospital. but The doctors aren't able to help her. So she dies early in the morning of August 4th. Before her death, she had told her family and I I believe she had told doctors as well, Mm -hmm. that she had gotten sick after she had eaten chocolate that had been given to her by an elderly palm reader that had walked up to her. How random. And the palm reader had come up to her and told her that her death was imminent. She wasn't worried about eating the chocolate because it was packaged. She was like, it's packaged. Like, what do you, you know, like, I feel like if someone was like, here is a loose piece of chocolate, I'd be like, thank you. Garbage. Yeah. But like, if it was packaged, I'm a little bit less worried about it. And she even said to her family, she was like, I was hungry, so I ate it. It didn't even think twice because I was like, it's packaged. She was just kind of like walking. And this woman had come up to her and was like, can I read your palm? And then she like let her and like, that's how this went down. Horrific. Fernanda, before this, had gastritis and stomach ulcers. And so she's telling her family that she's experiencing like some things that are common for that vomiting, stomach pain, that makes sense. And if like stomach ulcers can be like debilitatingly painful. So it's completely possible that you might kind of collapse because you're in so much pain. So when she's like, I can barely stand, her family isn't like, this is probably poison from the palm reader. They're like, this is like her gastritis or her stomach ulcers really flaring up. Not that it's not serious, but it's not this other thing. So unfortunately, as we mentioned before, Fernanda dies the day after she goes to the hospital and it takes two months for the toxicology reports to come back. And it shows that she had ingested two different types of pesticides that are relatively common. Yeah. So it's not like it was something that they could trace really easily because they were around, but they couldn't confirm whether the poison was from the chocolate. 
But the toxicology report doesn't come back for two months. So they don't start investigating her murder for two months, which means that, like, not surprisingly, it's difficult. Law enforcement even says, like, this is going to be harder because we aren't starting until now. Yeah, time. Maybe this toxicology report should have been done quicker than two months if you're not going to be able to, like, effectively find her murderer because of it. Right. There was CCT footage of where the palm reader had went up to Fernanda. It had been erased already because it was two months later when law enforcement went there. Then there's no informants. There's no witnesses who are saying like, oh, hey, I was also in that shopping center that day and I saw this interaction. Or, you know, I also was stopped by this woman because like I doubt Fernanda was the only person who she was stopping. And law enforcement speculates that with the extensive media coverage, the assailant may have gone into hiding. And first off, It's incredibly sad generally, but she also had a nine-year-old daughter, which breaks my heart. Yeah. And one of the articles that we read, it was her cousin who was being interviewed. And she talked about like that her family's at a loss on who would hurt her or why someone would do this. And she wasn't sure if like this was random or if somebody was trying to murder her specifically and had this woman give her poison. It's also unclear again, right, whether it was the chocolate that poisoned her. They're thinking that like stranger chocolate might be the source of it. But isn't that just so sad? That's horrible. And yeah, like just thinking, okay, why did they pinpoint her out of a crowd, right? Like where Mm -hmm. she was. Why her? Yeah. I can't imagine like just being part, you know, her family and just wondering, you know, no answers, but first wondering why her in a crowd just Mm -hmm. really gets to me. Not that it's better when you understand the motive of why someone's murdered, but not knowing whether it's her or whether it was completely random. It's just like it'd be a hard closure thing. Agreed. A lot of parents would be like, oh, I have candy. I'll give it to my kid when I get home. Like that could have happened too. Or even if like she didn't purposely give it to her child, she has a piece of candy sits on the counter or like it's in her purse and her kid's playing in her purse, finds it and eats it. Right. No, that that's really sad. So let's move on to our last case of the day. It's another recent death due to chocolate. And who we're going to talk about today is Lindasi Viegas Batista de Cavalio. And on May 20th, 2023, she received a box of chocolates accompanied by a bouquet of flowers for her 54th birthday. Now, there was no card with the gifts. So Lindasi called around to friends and family and she's like, who gave me this? I want to thank them, right? One of the people that she reached out to was her ex-boyfriend, Mario Sergio Gradidal. And he confirmed that he had sent them to her. They had dated for about four years when the relationship ended they remained friends. They stayed in contact over the years, even as Gratitol had a new girlfriend. So they still had like a relationship, right? Okay. Yeah, nice. So she had waited to eat any of the chocolates until she knew who it was from, which like seems like a good idea, right? Like she made the right choice. And I mean, they dated for four years. So like he he's trustworthy, right? So after when she did eat them, she went to her hair salon to get her hair done normal day, right? I got some chocolates. It's my birthday. I'm going to go get my hair done. Sounds like a good day. Shortly after she left the salon, though, she began having seizures and she fell to the ground. So law enforcement quickly rushed Lindasi to a Rio de Janeiro hospital. But unfortunately, she died by the time that she reached the hospital. So sad. Really sad. Like, she thought she was having a good day. Yeah. So an autopsy was performed and it was clear that she had been poisoned. Investigators tested the chocolates and found that they were the source of the poison that she had ingested. She had mentioned to some of her friends and family that Gratidol had sent her flowers and chocolate. So law enforcement, obviously, was like, he's a suspect. Fair. They 
suspected him of the murder. After speaking with him, though, they began to suspect that he had been framed. Granadol's brother gave some more information, and he said that his brother had dated a woman named Suzanne Martins da Silva, and she was incredibly jealous. And Granadol even described her as, quote, passionate and out of control. Da Silva and Granadol dated until he went to prison for several years, but their relationship continued when he was released in 2022. So this is weird. Yeah, because he had like such a good relationship with his ex, right? Mm hmm. So soon after his release, De Silva became enraged after she saw text messages between Granadol and Ladasi. She sent nasty messages and even sent death threats to Ladasi. So law enforcement even learned that De Silva unsuccessfully tried to get Ladasi's address at one point. So then early in 2023, Granadol ended his relationship with De Silva. And she was convinced that he broke up with her because of Lindasi. So Da Silva eventually did find out Lindasi's address. And what she did is she gave her son the poison chocolates to give to the delivery driver so that he could deliver it to Lindasi. Now, the delivery driver finally did confess. And that's how they tied Da Silva to the murder. When Da Silva was arrested, she was trying to get in contact with the delivery driver so that she could urge him to not tell police about their conversations between her son and him. But like, that's so dumb, right? Like, wh- why? For why? Ridiculous. So, of course, De Silva was charged with qualified homicide. Don't send poison chocolates to people because that's fucking dumb and not necessary. In any way. Yeah. Don't fucking do it. Because these two last cases are more contemporary, if we have updates, we'll put them in our True Crime Digest. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, we'll see Yeah, how the, it works through the court system and stuff after this. Because, yeah, it's, it wasn't that long ago. Exactly. Now, normally when we have, like, our theme, our, like, I say themed episodes, but think, like, snakes. <laughs> or the episode we did on Tuck Your Tootsies a while ago. We'll have, like, a few different things. We won't just talk about true crime cases. We'll talk about cryptids. Sometimes we'll talk about conspiracies or hauntings or ghosts or blah, 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 blah. But when you type in chocolate cryptids or chocolate ghosts, what you get is chocolate in the shape of cryptids or chocolate in the shape of ghosts, which fair I am a fan of. Right. I do want to buy it. But it makes research on these topics a little bit harder. (laughs) So I was like, I typed it in and I was like, you silly goose. You silly goose. Of course it's not going to show up. <laughs> it's like, do you want to order this box of chocolates? I saw a box of ghost chocolates recently, and mm. there's something with like a Mothman theme. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, Okay, so earlier I told you I was going to ask you more chocolate questions at the end. What's your favorite fancy chocolate? And are Reese's your like favorite like drugstore chocolate or gas station chocolate? I really like trying the chocolates from around the world like when you go to like world market and stuff like uh, the milka ones and like you know the different ones that are from like germany or belgium and all of that so i don't know if i have like a favorite one i just love trying all the different kinds like truffle kind of things or like chocolate bars from different countries both as long as it's chocolate it's great i don't like crunchy things in chocolate like i don't like crunchy things in ice cream either I don't want stuff in it. I just want the chocolate. Interesting. (laughs) But yeah, I think like grocery store, I like Reese's, especially without the edges. And then like when I go to a movie theater, I like the cookie dough ball things. They are the consistency of sand, but I do like them still. Right? They're weird, but they're good. What about you? 
At the movies, I'm a dark chocolate raisinettes with my popcorn kind of gal. Okay. If it's like drugstore, gas station, grocery store, classic Snickers. Delicious. And then for fancy chocolates, dark chocolate covered dried apricots. Ooh, those are good. Which is so specific, but they are so fucking good that infinite amounts I could eat. Do you think that you could eat 1,607 pumpkin-shaped Reese's Cups, which would probably be in my bigger lifetime? than 1.5 yeah. ounces? No, no. Within one, <laughs> within no, a period no. of time where the theobromine would stay in your system. Doubt it. Doubt it. I can have like two. So, okay, two things. The first is that my mother used to love Reese's Cups, but then just ate so many of them that she got sick of it. Fair. And the other is that when Ben first moved to Maryland or was visiting, it was one of the two, we were hanging out with my brother and my brother had one of those like novelty massive sizes of Reese's Cups, right? Okay. Yeah. And Ben was like trying to be funny, trying to connect whatever with him, right? And he's like, oh, I can eat that. Oh, no. And eats this like substantial. It's like a one pound Reese's Cup. It's like insanely large. And I was like horrified because it's just so big. And like Ben was like, I can't. Like, And he still isn't a big fan of Reese's Cups like now because what he had done to himself. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Recently, I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen the articles about you can fill a giant one pound Reese's peanut butter cup with whatever you want? By recently, I mean last summer is uh, now I'm looking at it. No, what would you what do you mean? What would you put in it? I don't know what I'd put in it. But I just like the pictures of it. I'm like, I want to go to there so badly. Tell me why in my head I went, bees? What? Why would you put bees in there? Are you bees? okay? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's been a long week. It, it was at Hershey's Chocolate World. Well, yeah, which is, in a cho- which is a chocolate amusement park near me. Okay, well, I don't know why you didn't go get this then, because this looks delightful. They also have like chocolate mascots, like a human personified chocolate Reese's Cup guy package mm-hmm. that you can take pictures with. Think Disney, but it's the chocolate. It's candy characters better it's better than disney perfect perfect i mean probably it's cheaper <laughs> that's for sure yeah I'm, i'll send you pictures of this because you need to see this it's magical perfect so that's our that's chocolate talk talk chocolate talk talk and our talk talk and our death by chocolate episode i want to have chocolate talk talk with everyone though so we want to know your favorite chocolate uh-huh and your favorite movie theater whether you could eat that many reese's cup yeah we each category of chocolate yeah. And what chocolate do we need to try? Because I'm sure there's better, more exciting chocolates out there. So I need I'm sure. recommendations. Is there any chocolate thing that you categorically do not like? Okay, that's fair. No, no, no I want you. What's yours? Is it crunchy? Oh, for me, I don't like crunchy and I don't really like. All right. So I love caramel, but I don't like when it's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, cheap caramel where it like gets stuck in your teeth, like where it's like chewy, mm-hmm. where it's a fight. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay. That offends me. I don't like nougat without nuts or caramel so i don't like a milky way unless it's the midnight one and then look i know that everyone's gonna say i'm wrong here but i don't like the chocolate oranges i like the theory of it that they're in segments that's fun but i don't like anything else about it hear me out years ago there was this like you could buy chocolate orange coffee it sounds horrendous right it was like in a sample pack and i was like what the hell we'll try it it was delicious but that being said, I, I'm making like a like a nasty face, but like blueberry coffee, like where it's like roasted with the flavor, like that's actually pretty good because it has like a really intense blueberry smell, which is not a thing that you think that you want, but it's pretty good. Yeah, it was surprising, but I liked it. Yeah. So we mentioned it at the top of the episode, but just as a reminder, tonight is our Patreon night 
where we're going to do a spooky show and tell. If you are interested in joining us for tonight or generally as a patron, we have the link in our show notes. We appreciate it. We do. And we appreciate you even if you're just listening, but especially if you're a patron. (laughs) That's fair. Well, can't wait to see everyone in our Patreon tonight. We're going to have a great time. And with that, have a great weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes, you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. (laughs) So, Lindsay, let me tell you about this random story with Cox Communications this week. Uh, And I thought, you know, it wasn't them and that it was indeed someone trying to kill us. Amanda started trying to tell the story before we started recording. And I was like, we we need to just put this at the beginning of our recording and I'll move it to the end of the episode because I heard like two seconds into the story and I was like, oh no, someone was trying to kill you. It was a ruse. Like immediately that's where I went. And I think everybody else is going to go to the same place. Right? Or we are permanently broken from doing two true creeps. One or the other. Maybe both. Maybe. Maybe because when I spoke with the company afterwards, they thought I was psychotic. But anyway, so it was like, I don't know, four thirty five o'clock, right? And my husband's still finishing a couple like emails and I'm sending a couple messages and you know, my um, internet is terrible here or my service for my phone. So it tells me like, do you want to switch to phone signal? And then it's like, just kidding. You can't send messages now. (laughs) Just kidding. Get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Then Mike comes out and he's like, did the internet go out for you? I'm like, yeah. And like not even a minute later, there's a knock at the door. And it's a guy in like the Cox Communications garb. Like he's wearing the uniform. He has like the little, I don't know, lanyard thing. Means nothing to me, by the way. Nothing. I don't give a fuck what you're wearing, my guy. Uh, Exactly. Me too. I was like, I have a cricket. I can make your uniform, okay? (laughs) Your fake fake uniform is terrible. Ma'am, this is my actual uniform. Lies. I can make it better. Yes. Yes. I hope you so, said that. That that's where like that you no know, that detail, I could see them being like, Are you well, ma'am? <laughs> no, I'm not. I talk about true crime a lot. But he's like, Hi, I'm from Cox and I'm here to fix something with your house. And I was like, What are you talking about? He's like, Your house is putting something into the internet signal for the block. Sounds like a lie. And it's messing It's messing up the internet for everyone else. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? By the way, you may hear my dog in the background. She's very upset with me right now. You also might hear Moo in the background. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so I was like, explain this to me again. Like, what what are you talking about? And he's like, well, something in your home is basically doing like feedback into the system. And so what we need to do is disconnect the item that's causing the feedback because you have so many hookups outside. I, I guess maybe for other internet signals. I don't know what he's talking about. Other companies, perhaps. I don't know. And he's like, but I need to test which one you're using so I can disconnect the others. And I was like, and you couldn't call ahead of time and like schedule something? What if you weren't home? I'm like, I don't know if he's real. I don't know 
no one's called. Yeah. And he's like, well, no, we just found out while I was in the neighborhood because one of your neighbors called and they were having internet issues and it traces back to your house. This sounds very suspicious. Huh. Okay. And what do you... Right. But I wanted I wanted to hear him out and I wanted to understand what he was talking about before I told him he was insane and never coming to my house. Also, you do have a true crime podcast. So you're like, sir, can I can I record this conversation? Actually, I'd like to just... <laughs> It is on my ring. Yeah. Where the stories are true and the creeps are real. <laughs> right. Right now. Right. And <laughs> he's like, he like shows me this fucking little like metal thing. He's like, I need to install this behind your router and then go and figure out which one. And I was like, oh, he wants to steal my identity, right? Like he wants to suspicious hack into all my stuff that I look at and see the weird searches I do. Uh-oh. <laughs> do not look at our search history. It is honestly alarming. <laughs> Just because, like, if you don't know, it's like, how much chocolate? <laughs> right, right? And <laughs> then he would have been surprised and probably left. But he's like, I just need to come in real quick. And I was like, absolutely not. He, like, looked surprised. And I was like, no. you. <laughs> I would be like, you can come when you have a warrant. But, uh, like, <laughs> come back with a warrant. <laughs> and he's like, ma'am. And you're like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gut, gut reaction. Gut reaction. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, first off. I need to call Cox Communications and see, like, is this legitimate? Because this sounds fake as hell. Wacky. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he's like, kind of gestured towards his outfit. And I was like, no, you're not coming in. Like, absolutely not. I'll call. He's like, okay, well, when do you want to reschedule? I was like, I'll call. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Sir, I'm not going to. I need you to know, you and I are not having any type of conversation that ends with you coming in my in my home. It's going to be that I call the company and that they verify who you are and that you should be here. And also, like, just to point out, like, even if he did work there, it doesn't mean that he should be at your house. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that he didn't, like, just quit. It doesn't mean that he's not also a serial killer. Like, you right. can be, you can work for, like, a company that has a uniform and be a killer. Absolutely. Yeah. And so then as I'm like, no, you're not coming in. He's like, well, if you don't reschedule it soon, I'm going to have to disconnect the internet. How? How are you going to do that, buddy? It's kind of like making you make a quick decision, you know, and that's like a total tactic to get in someone's house. I have more alarm bells. I'm also, Amanda, as we're, like, I know that you're telling me that you called Cox and they confirmed this. Yeah. I am still not absolutely sure that th this does not sound real. It doesn't. No, when I called, they were like, the first person I spoke with had an attitude towards me. And he's like, yeah, you're affecting the whole block right now. And I was like, look, dude, I'm not letting a rando in my house. I have a kid. I have dogs that could eat him. You know, I have things going on. You can't just like show up. You have to schedule. And he's like, well, other people have kids that need internet. I like to just start off with, I don't care whether or not you have children or animals that might eat them is completely irrelevant. No, sir, you do not have at will access to my home. If you have a system that is broken because it's letting whatever gremlins I have on my internet go onto the internet, that sounds like a you problem. Like, that's not my problem. We've lived here forever. How did that all of a sudden just happen? And that's why I thought it was fake at first, too. I still don't believe it. No, I had to. Yeah, I finally got to someone who was like a real person. And I was like, look. That other person was like yelling at me for not letting a rando in my house. Like, you guys need to call and schedule. And then I need to call back and make sure that it was a legitimate place that just called me to schedule. Right. Like, uh huh. And she's like, no, I totally understand what he was supposed to do would have been to pull out his ID, which again, in my head, I'm like, fake. Don't care. Don't care. Yeah. 
but pull out his ID, give you that number, and then stand with you while you called us to confirm it was a real person. And he didn't offer any of that. That I will take. And I was like, no, he did not. He just wanted to, like, bully me into letting him in my home. So, no. And also, like, dude, are you unaware that women are murdered? I could see this, like, aloofness if he was talking to Mike because he's like, you're six feet tall, right? You aren't inherently just, like, threatened by my presence, likely. I don't know. Yeah. The answer of whether someone can come into my home is a no unless they get permission. Mm-hmm. Ahead of time. I need things scheduled. And I'm still, like, I don't... This doesn't sound like a thing that can happen. No, it doesn't. But they came this morning when I made the appointment, right? Mm-hmm. And that was already a big thing. They actually made it and then I guess didn't con- like didn't press OK or like to send it into the world. And then I got a text. Like, Were you trying to make an appointment? It's not confirmed. And I'm like, what the fuck? Now I need to do this again. Ew. No, actually, no, I wasn't. You were. <laughs> yeah, they came today and I hid because it was in the morning and I was like, no, you can deal with this, Mike. I'm not here. I'll be with the dogs. Mm-hmm. And he had to hook up something to figure out that whatever device that holds the internet, I guess, behind the wall, not the modem, not any of that, was backfeeding something into the system and he replaced a little part. Now it's all good. Very strange. I was like, Mike, what does that mean? Because I've never heard of it. And they didn't explain it. He's like, not really. He had this little device, went outside a couple times. They had to take apart like my craft room because I have a bookshelf in front of where the modem comes out or where the modem is. It's on top of my bookshelf. It was a mess. Today's been a mess. Okay. So I will just tell you very briefly, when you type in internet back... Oh, no. (laughs) I'm laughing at myself because I didn't read what I typed (laughs) until (laughs) internet backfeeding into the internet is what I put. Um, There's like a bunch of like Reddit posts and it's like, my house is quote unquote killing internet neighborhood wide. ISP tech told me that my connection has a backfeed, modern voltage backfeeding, modem online causing backfeeding, ingress into the line. So it's actually like apparently is a thing but it still doesn't it doesn't sound like a thing that should be able to happen right and it sounds like a way to get someone to let someone in their home right yes i would be no just absolutely not he looked at me crazy i was like absolutely not i would be like let me just tell you i would be calling them calling other people because the thing is is that no i'm uncomfortable by this i don't like it at all i don't like it at all it makes me very stressed out I get to come into your home because I said so. Internet problem. Right. I'm sorry, sir. You're explaining something in a way that is confusing and you're doing it on purpose and you're making a not emergency sound like an emergency. Yes. Every single alarm bell is going off in my head. And threatened at the end. Yes. And then threatened at the end. Like, and so some people would be like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Or, oh, no, I don't want to cause an inconvenience to someone else. I'll let you in. And that's like the biggest no, no. Also, guys, Amanda does like to make other people happy. So fucking <laughs> great. Like A plus. A plus on saying no fucking sir. I was like, please don't murder us today. I'm not in the mood. Okay. Oh, <laughs> please don't murder my family. I'm suddenly doubting my pronunciation of theobromine. So one moment while I pull that up. I was right. And we do know, too, that there are. What was I going to say? It's gone. Instagram's going to be like, yeah, let's let's promote them now. <laughs> let's not hide all their posts. <laughs> Instagram's going to be like, are you going to be famous now? Because you fucking cracked it, bitches. It's math. That's what we've been craving. Algorithms. Algorithms. Oh, algorithms are numbers. They like these numbers. Yep. They're like, oh, these ladies figured it out. They, they, they use that algebra. 
I, I felt <laughs> honestly very proud of myself doing all this math because it's been a minute since I've had to do this much like and then this and then that and then that and that. It felt like a word pro like yeah equations equations. Uh, you know that meme with a woman with like the numbers and like the yeah symbols. That's what I felt like. I was like, <laughs> and I like made Amanda sit and like go through my. <laughs> like canva slideshow of like here's the math do i do this right and she's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh that's nice Lindsay. <laughs> good job Lindsay. a plus you, you did, did a sticker division <laughs> <laughs> i mean there was some division some multiplying you did pretty good full equations oh watch out i mean that's true yeah i will say i if i'm going to eat reese's 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 and i'm sad i'm not doubting myself I prefer the miniature because there's more edge. See, I don't like those. Mm-mm. They're okay in like a cookie when you've melted it because then it's not like the hard plasticky texture around the sides. False. No, no, no. That's what I want. No. When I was um younger, I would like press down in the center and eat it like a pie in little slices. See, I don't like pie crust. I also don't like pie crust. It's garbage. Even when someone's like, oh, my pie crust. It is. Oh, great. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's still pie crust. So flaky. And I'm like, ew. I'm like, I'll take the warm fruit, but I don't want pie crust. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then cookies. Should they be crunchy or no? It depends on the cookie. Chocolate chip. And my mood. Still depends on the cookie. Because there's this, there's a kind here. It's like, I think it's called like Otterbins that are like really thin and buttery. And they're good as crispy. I want warm dough. I want raw dough. <laughs> I mean, yeah uh there's something i was gonna tell you it was about chocolate it was it was relevant what i like is that because it's our chocolate episode everything stays in episode proper unless it's full-on just fucking it worked fully different uh this can go in the back of the episode i recently saw a tiktok about restaurant depot and how you can get a giant box of you know i know i saw that jordan and i went and i did it did you i need to go i need life-changing i need to go and be like this is how much money i am allowed to spend oh yeah create a budget because otherwise i'll be like whatever for this for this i need a whatever for that yeah because as it is like with costco i'm like you do not need it 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 but this is special this is special because you're not supposed to be there you're not a restaurant (gasps) it's true (laughs) it's true there's also like the business version of costco Oh, I've seen that where it's even better. And I'm like, but they don't have one anywhere near me, which is probably good. And the I'm not even a big drinker, but the booze version of Costco is like delightful because everything's so cheap and like the better brands, but hidden. Supposedly the Kirkland's. Yeah, the like the mm-hmm. uh, they're like Kirkland brand vodka is like made at the same place. It was like Grey Goose. Yeah. So we have one that's like my, my height. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is speaking of chocolate. So like I love hot chocolate all year round. But mm-hmm. when the first time we talked about this in our last episode, how Amanda and I were strangers from the Internet and then we came to her house. One of the things that I learned was that the way that her husband and her child eat hot chocolate or drink hot chocolate <laughs> is with buttered toast. And I was like, what yeah. the fuck is happening in this house? Like this I was like, this is one of the strangest things I've ever heard. And I'm interested in whether other people do this. It's not bad, but it's not a thing that I like immediately go to. I'm not like mm, a nice cup of hot cocoa time for like buttered toast. Right. It's it's strange. Yeah. And sometimes when I wake up, especially when it's cold out and if they get up before me, They'll be having a cocoa and toast party, is what Oliver calls it. I mean, that is very cute. And when we got a new toaster, he wanted to keep the other toaster, too, so he could have 
more toast at a time. So his party would have like, he called it super toaster. I love this. Or me- no, sorry, mega toaster. It was mega toaster. And I was like, no, we cannot have two toasters. That's insane. I don't have enough counter space for this. But he wanted it so his cocoa and toast party would be flawless. He wouldn't have to wait anymore. I mean, I do understand the allure of that. Like, it's kind of like the like you have your coffee bar. He's like, I don't care about coffee. Yeah. I want a toast bar, which, yeah. again, toast is underrated. Like, <laughs> we are not having enough type like to- types of toast on a regular basis. I'm a cinnamon sugar girly, but I also will have like pesto toast because I get it from Costco. Will our tangents ever stop? No. <laughs> no, they fucking won't. It is our chocolate episode, and we are here to celebrate. Amanda, are Reese's your favorite kind of candy that are chocolate? Yeah, for like grocery store candy, yes. What about for, okay, we'll, 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 we'll talk more about, we'll do more at the end. I like it like that. Da, 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 da. Wrong with me. Oh, absolutely, I do. Fucking toodaloo. 